0: You could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much.
1: Dr. Janie Lacy. And as we enter this next quarter, as we're talking about this morning, Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. We're here. We're breathing. We're alive. Today is another opportunity to get it right. So today is September 1st. So welcome to everyone. And one of the things that I'm going to roll right in, and I want to share a few things about it, and then I want to hear from you, hear from the people, the voices, and that's dealing with toxic people. <laughs> you know, there's this uh, a joke for us in the psychology counseling field. And we say the holidays in particular keeps us in business. <laughs> people go home to uh, their family for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. And then on the other side of it, there's a busy season. Uh case of you didn't know, psychology and counseling has a busy season as well. And uh, that's January, mid-January to May, right? Follows after the holidays. And then right now, actually, August uh, mid-November when school starts and all the things are are going on. But what happens during these times, especially we get an uptick in people, and I'm going to use the umbrella of people that are dealing with toxic people, and that also includes themselves. So good morning, good morning on Instagram. So I want to share just three thoughts that I want you to think about this as you're dealing with toxic people And dealing with your own toxic traits. And then I want to open up and I want to hear your experiences and what you do, whether you're in business, whether it's in friendships, whether it's in your romantic relationships. Because, you know, when I think about how I sit with. I still work with individual uh, clients. I work with select individual clients that um, usually are just referrals. And there's a theme that tends to happen. And that theme. And I want you to think about your own life is that usually most of the time people come into counseling or to therapy because of someone else's behavior. (laughs) The secondary part of that is then we're forced to look at our own behavior. So when we're dealing with toxic people, one of the first things I want you to think about on Instagram and Clubhouse. So on Instagram, you can go ahead and put it in the comments on Clubhouse. We're going to open the stage here in about 15 minutes is looking at responsibility. We hear this word all the time, responsibility, but I want us to talk about responsibility and the difference between being responsible for something and being responsible to someone. Think about that. Because our problems will arise when boundaries, the big old B, remember, we all like big Bs, big boundaries. When problems arise, when boundaries of responsibilities are confused. So we hear these words boundaries all the time, but boundaries in a very simplistic way, it's going to come from our sense of our self-love and our self-care for ourselves. That means where I end and someone else begins and no one is allowed to throw their garbage in my yard and i'm not allowed to throw my garbage in my neighbor's yard right there's a boundary that happens on physical property so the same thing happens for us from an emotional and mental standpoint but if we come from family of origins or we family of our, our family of origin or from relationships in our life where the boundary lines were blurred and we would take responsibility for other people's behavior think about this for a minute you can love someone else, but you can't be someone else. It <laughs> sounds simple, but I can't, I can't feel your feelings for you. I can't think for you. I can't behave for you. I can't work through the disappointment that limits bring for you. So in short, you have to grow for you. Only you can. And likewise, you can't grow for me. I have to be responsible for my growth and you have to be responsible for your growth. So another perspective, or another aspect, I should say, of, of being responsible is not only in the giving, but in the setting of limits on another's destructive and irresponsible behavior. So if you look on my Instagram story, I did a quick little clip yesterday, but to expand on that clip, one of the things that I talked about was one of the truths of life Is sometimes we are so invested, especially from romantic relationships perspective, or even from a family perspective, you know, kids, these types of things. I'm talking about older kids. We're so invested in them changing their behavior because if we can invest, whether it's counseling, whether we're paying all the things for them to change their behavior, we're arguing, trying to get them to see a different point of view, is because we don't want to have to make the hard decisions. So, the easiest way to kind of give an example is from a romantic um romantic relationship perspective. If your spouse is emotionally or mentally abusive or let's say they're not even emotionally mentally abusive, they just have habits that just consistently are not in aligned with where you're going and the things that bring you joy and the bring the things that bring you you um you satisfaction in life. And you are so set on trying to get them to see things on your way and to change their ways to come. And I use an example it's a common example for, for, um, for couples, let's say that your girlfriend, for example, that she likes to go out and party all the time. She's in a committed relationship with you, but she likes to go out on the nightlife scene, these types of things. And it bothers you because that's not your value system. It's not your value system, especially if you're in relationship that you believe in only going out with your spouse and she wants to go out with the girls or, or whatever. So at some point, you have to accept, and this is the radical acceptance, you have to accept that that's what she enjoys doing. And if that's what she enjoys doing, then that means instead of convincing her to take away the things that bring her joy, and the things that she finds satisfaction is, that means you have to make a hard decision. That, and that means that you have to decide that her behavior and the way that she lives her life is not in alignment with how you live your life and how you believe in how you move in a relationship. So that means you have to make a hard decision and you have to say, you know, sugar baby girl, whatever. This relationship is, is, is not working out for me. And these are the reasons why. These things I have high values in and these are things I believe in how I want to operate in a relationship. And I don't want to change who you are, but we're just not on the same page. And then go find someone who has the same value system. But that's hard work for for people, especially because if you're so invested in changing her behavior, because this way, if you like her in so many other areas and you don't like her in these areas, but it's starting to bring resentment, I mean, it's just the mold behind the wall. It's eventually going to come down anyway. So you either can make painful decisions now, or you're going to have greater painful decisions later. We have to make choices, choices and consequences. Because it's not also good to rescue someone from the consequences of their behavior. And this is also comes from relationships or having family members, in particular, I'm in an addiction space that have addictions or have destructive behavior. Many times people feel like, well, they just need love. <laughs> no, that's called enabling, depending on your definition of loving them. That means accepting their bad behavior and they don't experience the consequences of their behavior. Because I can tell you, When we are dealing with someone that has destructive behavior and we don't allow them to have the consequences of the behavior and we take on their consequences and the responsibility of whatever is going on in their life, I can tell you it's probably going to happen again. It's probably going to happen again because you will have reinforced their pattern. They'll know, okay, well, Susie just says, sorry. And I know, or my mom just gets upset, but she'll get over it. You know how many times I hear that in family therapy? Well, she'll just get over it. She'll just get over it because they know your game. They know that you're going to continue to enable them or forgive them or just try to convince them. And there's no true consequences because ultimately, and we'll get into this in a little bit, is you don't want to feel guilt. Sometimes I'll hear parents say, well, I don't want to find my son in the ditch dead. They go to the worst case scenario. So they'll continue to enable and feed their bad behavior versus making tough decisions to help them change their life. It's hurtful not to have limits with others and it leads to destruction. And you have to be able to really accept that. So number two is respect. Good old respect, right? Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-B-P-C-T, respect. One word comes up again and again when people describe problems with boundaries, right? Again, this is a common word, but when it comes to actually implementing and and putting boundaries in place, there has to be some things in place for you first. And that's self-love. You have to understand who you are, what you value and what's important to you. And you carry yourself in a place where you know that you're worthy. And if other people don't carry themselves in a place that they know that you're worthy, then you're going to realize that, you know what, I need to have a boundary here because I love myself too much and I know my worth. And if someone doesn't align with that, then I need to draw some, some lines, but what, what, you know, what they'll say, Dr. Janie, and I'm sure some of you have said this, listen closely but they won't accept me if I say no, but they'll get angry if I set limits. They won't speak to me for a week or tell me, or tell me if I tell them how I feel, they won't accept me. So what happens is we fear that others will not respect their boundaries, essentially, right? The big old F word, fear. So we focus on others and we lose clarity about ourselves. And that's where we can self-abandon the things that are important to us to please other people, to keep other people in our life or to not rock the boat or to not have conflict, especially if we've had negative experiences with conflict growing up. But you know, the problem here is when we judge other people's boundaries too, right? Because we want people to respect our boundaries but sometimes we don't wanna respect other people's boundaries in particular. But when we we judge the, the boundary decisions of others, And thinking that we know what's best and how they ought to give. And usually that means they ought to give it to me the way I want them to. And and, and I can tell you, I've had this conversation many times this week, the double standard in relationship. You can do it, but I can't do it, right? I want you to do it the way I want you to do it, but I'm not going to follow the same rules, right? So we want to be really, really careful, especially in uh, relationships. Because when we judge other people's boundaries, Ours will fall under the same judgment. Think about it. If we criticize other people's boundaries and how they're doing things and what's important for them, you know, subconsciously, we're going to expect them to criticize ours, which is why sometimes we don't follow through with our boundaries, because this sets us up for fear. And then the cycle inside that makes us afraid to set those boundaries that we need to set. And then we don't because of the fear that happens. And if I do this and I know they're going to do that and I don't want them to do that. So in order for me to control the outcome, I'm not going to do this. And then you abandon yourself. All right, so think about your own cycle and process when it comes to setting boundaries um, with, with people in your life, especially if they're destructive or toxic in that sense. So as a result, what happens is we comply and then we resent them right? We'll comply with the way they want to do things. And then we resent that we gave up our boundaries to do things essentially how they wanted us to to do that, to do it. And the love that we've given goes sour, right? So we have to have to really think about doing things that honor ourselves first. And when people truly love us and they honor us, they're going to also respect that. But that also means you have to respect their uh, boundaries, so when we respect the boundaries of others, we need to love, and I do say love, the boundaries of others to grasp respect for our own, right? So the very thing that we're getting is the very thing that we also want. If, we want to, if we're going to respect other people's boundaries, then of course we're going to expect them to expect to respect our boundaries. And we need to treat their boundaries the way we want them to treat ours. No more double standards. And couples counseling, I see this all the time, is that you want to do certain things and you want them to do certain things. But when it comes to you practicing the very thing that you're asking them to do, you're yet to practice that. And then here they are sitting on the couch with Dr. Lacey and he's saying, well, Janie, she's holding me accountable for said such and such. But she doesn't even do it herself. Right. So then they get into this tit for tat right in front of me. Because there's a double standard that's operating because usually one person may feel insecure. So in order to get security in the relationship, they have to feel a sense of uh, control and then it can come out in dysfunctional ways. Because if we love and respect people who tell us no, they will also love and respect our no, right? We can't tell people no and have boundaries, but not respect their no because freedom begets freedom. Our real concern with others should not be, are they doing what I would do or what I want them to do? Mm -mm." But are they making a free choice? Are they doing something because that's their free choice and that's healthy? Because when we accept others' freedom, we don't get angry. We feel, feel guilty or withdraw our love when they set boundaries with us. When we accept others' freedom, we feel better about our own. Truly, truly think about that. So number 3. And then I want to open it up and hear some voices on Clubhouse and on Instagram feel free to make some comments if you're relating. We're talking about dealing with toxic people, but I'm taking a different spin today. I'm talking about responsibility, respect, and then the third one right now is motivation. Many of us are taught that it's more it's better to bless, to give than to receive, right? We've all heard that. Better to give to receive and you know all those things. <laughs> but I believe and again, this is just my opinion that sometimes we misunderstand what this means. And it may lead us to feeling unappreciative for all that we do, right? Well, I'm just a giver. And we'll constantly say, well, I'm just a giver. I'm a giver. And then you're constantly giving to people because you have that mentality of it's better to bless other people. It's better to give to other people than to receive. But internally, you truly are doing it to get validation. You're truly doing it to get noticed. You're truly doing it because at some point you want something back, right? So think about that when you think about your motivation in particular, because sometimes we'll wish others or other people had more consideration of our time and energy because we have consideration for their time and their energy, (laughs) think about this and you know, I'm telling the truth. And you really think about this, but yet whenever someone wants something from us, we just do it, right? We just do it. We try to be compliant. And then in the back of our mind, we're thinking, well, I did this for you. And uh, one day, right. Even though we, people won't admit to it, but think about it. What's your true motivation. We believe that this is loving. We believe in helping people and and giving and doing and being there for other people's loving. And we want to be loving to people. But think about this. If our motivation isn't truly from a healthy standpoint, soon the fatigue that we feel because of all this doing turns into, you know, I'm a psychotherapist. so It can turn to depression. It can turn to anxiety. It can turn to mental health challenges. Because a problem arises when you're giving and doing and sacrificing is not motivated by, I'm going to use the word love, but by fear we do things out of fear. I don't want this person to be mad at me. I don't want them to leave me or I don't want to rock the boat, whatever the fear is that's driving you to make the decisions that you're making. But perhaps, you know, commonly, obviously I'm a psychotherapist, but perhaps you learned early in life, if you did not do what your mother wanted you to do, she would withdraw her love or she would go cold or you would feel your mom withdraw. Right. And if that was a pattern of of how things were in your house growing up, then subconsciously and you're unconscious, then you're in a relationship and you feel like, well, if I don't do what my girlfriend or my wife or my boyfriend or my husband wants me to do, then they're going to withdraw their love from me. All right. But sometimes we don't say that, but you're operating from that place of fear is that place of compliance is I have to do in order to get right. Think about that. So what's your motivation? Because when this happens, then that means your giving is going to be reluctant. Because you're thinking through, if I don't do said, or if I do said, then I either should get something back or I'm fearful that they're going to withdraw love or whatever it may be on the table for you. Because your mode of forgiving is not loving when we operate this way, but fearful of losing love. And you may also become afraid of other people's anger, especially if you grew up in a household where there was lots of conflict or perhaps your dad yelled at you frequently when you were young. And you learn to fear anger in confrontation. So now you're fearful of confrontations because in your mind, you have a negative reference to when it comes to confrontation. But don't you know, you can confront people and you can smile, you can be in self-control, you can be regulated, and you can treat them with dignity. But if we have not yet understood our relationship with With anger and confrontation, especially if it was negative in our childhood, we can get a lot of anxiety when it comes time to confronting people, because in our mind, we're already projecting either an angry response or some type of loss, and then we do things out of fear, and then sometimes we don't confront people when we should confront people, and then it adds up, and then the very thing we fear happens, (laughs) a negative confrontation, because we're not dealing with things, because we're not honoring ourselves and honoring our boundaries as we're going along. And this fear may keep you from saying no to others when you should be saying no. And you're saying yes, and then the resentment will come. And you wind up saying yes out of fear that you would lose love and that the other person may get angry with you. So a couple of things, and I'm going to open it up for the last um, 10 minutes. So think about these false motives and and others that keep us from setting boundaries. Think about this. Yes, great example, uh, Marie on Instagram, parents giving... To a child. But these false motives and others keep us from setting boundaries. The fear of loss of love or abandonment, fear of others, anger, fear of loneliness is that you'll settle, right? Especially in relationship, people will settle. Well, this is as good as it gets because you don't know outside that there can be someone that's better aligned for you. And you don't want to have seasons of, of, of uh, being single, for example. But if you're a good steward of being single, You'll eventually get to that place of you're honoring yourself, finding someone who's more aligned with you. There are so many people in this world. (laughs) He or she is not the only one for you. And our guilt, or you're just trying to get other people's approval. Sometimes I refer to this as you're auditioning or performing for or seeking someone's approval through being something or putting on the mask. But this is a point, and I'll wrap it up with this. This is a point. We were called into freedom. Everyone that's hearing my voice, everyone that's seeing me on Instagram, we have freedom. And when we make decisions and choices from a place of freedom and not from a place of fear, it can result in gratitude and an overflowing heart in our love for other people because we're essentially loving ourselves, And then we're able to give the love and the care and and be grateful for other people because essentially we've been giving it to ourselves. And when we give from that bountiful place, it has a great reward. Think about this when you're around people, you can feel their spirit when you know that they're genuine and it's truly more blessed. And this is where I bring it back back around, it truly is blessed to give than to receive. But if your giving is not leading to cheer, then to need to examine, then you need to examine your motivation. So with that being said, I'm gonna open it up here on Clubhouse. And I want you to think about on Clubhouse or feel free to comment on Instagram. But when you reflect on whether some of your doing and sacrificing is motivated not by love, but by fear that you want that you wanna be loved if you don't comply. Or you feel like the person won't love you if you don't comply. Or think about your own examples that when we share our story and we share our experiences, it can help someone else, help someone else set them free. So, what life experiences taught you that love will be removed if you don't do what someone wants? I mean, you can either answer that question or, or what resonated uh, with you here on uh, Clubhouse. So, go ahead and just open your mic and say your name. What stood out to you? Or, you know, what did you have that experience? If you don't did it, if you do not do what other people want you to do, that you're afraid they won't like you, they'll with- withdraw their love love to hear some
2: voices this is rocky dr Janie. hi rocky good morning you are reading my life like a book this is such a good session um i learned and this is experience that i've had as well um in the situation that i'm in um, i've been with this individual for a year now but what's interesting is to me is that everything always goes back to our childhood and our habits you know growing up throughout so for me i have a couple of things you mentioned the fear of loneliness etc but also growing up in high school, I always had a boyfriend. I've never been single in my life. Um, so I took a long time when I was in Korea to be single by myself. But what was interesting, and I guess this is kind of a question as well, is in these situations, in these relationships, um, the guy I'm dating now, we're completely opposites. Completely opposites. And then also, this is another topic, is the, um, the attachment styles. We have completely opposite attachment styles. Um, but learned a lot about myself staying in this situation. It's not toxic than anything else. So where is the line between drawing a boundary and knowing that it's actually us that's the problem versus the other person?
1: That's a great question, Rocky, because you mentioned something and that's attachment style. And when people understand their attachment style, for example, a common dynamic gets together is an insecure or an anxious attachment style and an avoidant. And when there's an avoidance and an anxious attachment style, they're going to create a certain type of dance. And that means it's not necessarily, let's say, the anxious person or the insecure person alone. The avoidant can have certain behaviors that contributes or provoke the anxiety in the other person. And that becomes a dance versus it be, OK, well, the person who's anxious, she needs to go or he needs to go in a corner and fix himself. No, you know, that if some two people truly love each other and they have awareness and they have a growth mindset, Rocky, then going to. Whether couples therapy or working together, there's a great book called Attached um, when it comes to attachment styles that I highly recommend. But if both people have a growth mindset, that means that they're both going to take responsibility for their part in a certain dance. But usually what I what I find, and I'm saying this in a very general sense, um, not knowing your situation or other people's situation, it's usually the avoidant who becomes in denial. Well, things are fine. That's her issue. And when you get into that type of dance where one person is completely blaming the other person versus leaning in and trying to understand how they either contribute to the situation or how they can help the situation or they all what we call stonewall they'll just shut down because it's her issue or because what happens usually in avoidance and i'm making a very general statement it brings up their shame and if they have childhood issues where Shame was part of something is wrong with me and they've embodied that message Then how that looks in relationship in adult That means when they get any type of feedback that makes them feel uncomfortable or any type of feedback that They could be doing something different It it overwhelms them and if it overwhelms them then the partner essentially will say well dr. Janey. I can never talk to him You know, he shuts down or he's defensive right? So when they get into that state, an anxious person, for example, is going to continue to try to push the apple cart and continue to try to talk to them. And then it creates a certain cycle. So to bring it back around to be helpful to you and and everyone is first, is we have to have awareness of what we're bringing to the table. And I'm not talking about from a good sense, but the baggage that we're bringing from the table. And when we have awareness, we can first take responsibility and focus on, changing those things in ourself. And then the only thing that we can do is an invite from a romantic partner standpoint. You can invite your partner with that, in that process with you, whether it's the two of you, if you're mature enough to to do things on your own or with a therapeutic process. And it's usually the person who's the most resistant sometimes is giving the greater contribution to the challenge. So hope that's a helpful, Rocky. I could probably say a lot more, uh, lot more there, but wanted to share things that would be helpful to you and others. Thank you, Rocky, oh, for sharing.
2: It was absolutely amazing. That's the exact situation I'm in. And we make it work because we are aware of our attachment style. So that's so good, Dr. Janie. Thank you so much.
1: That is perfect. When you find someone that has a growth mindset, that means you both help each other unpack those bags and you keep walking forward. So that, that's awesome. Thank you, Rocky. All right. Who else? You can just open your mic, say your name and state your, um, your share, your takeaway or your question.
3: This is William. Good morning, Dr. James.
1: Good morning, William.
3: I'll, I'll tell you, it's been such a such a joy to listen to you and and uh, what uh, what you say and the message you send and um, how it's really helped me uh, understand where I'm at and my own inequities. So, thank you so much for sharing and um, sharing out to the world and sharing out to the people that that need to hear it because um, it's really opened some doors for me and. Going in for our uh, second day of counseling today, just to be, you know, full disclosure, very personal. But uh, listening and following you and and everything that you share, especially on your uh, Instagram, it's just so inspirational. So I'm done sharing. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, William. I appreciate your feedback. And I appreciate you sharing personally that you're going um, to your second session of couples counseling, because when we uh, normalize help, it also inspires other people to do so. And when we also take ownership for our parts that we play, but taking ownership of the parts that we play without taking ownership of other people's behavior, but taking ownership of how we can affect other people's behavior. I mean, you're setting yourself up for success and repair in the future. So appreciate you, William. And thank you for sharing because you inspired someone this morning. Thank you. So go ahead. Anyone else open your mic you and share your, your share, or ask your question. I think I saw you blinking Rose. Maybe not. Anyone else? Just go ahead and open your mic. We have two minutes left.
3: Dr. Janie, it's Linnell Burns. Good morning. Good morning. Good
1: Hi, morning. Linnell. Good morning. Hey. So glad to hear your voice and glad to get you in.
3: <laughs> How are you? So good. I loved, love, love this, you know, because um, I know when, when I was growing up, my mom was always, my mom was a single mom as well. I'm a single mom of three kids. And one of the things that I learned from my mother was self-reliance. And so because of the fact that I had grown up in a household where I understood that if you wanted to, if you wanted something, you had to work for it, regardless of what that work looked like, it was still work. And so when we're when we're in a place where we have to feel as though we're complying with someone else's expectation of what we should and should not do. We're operating really from a place of fear because their paradigm is not ours. And so if we're moving according to someone else's perception of where we should be in life, we can definitely hinder ourselves as opposed to growing into the person that we need to be. So I love this uh, topic this morning. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. This is Linnell, the soul mentor. I'll go ahead and mute myself out.
1: Thank you so much, Linnell. And you are absolutely right. And you recapped that very well in the sense of let's go back to thinking about what our motivation is. And if we're completely motivated by other people's approval or acceptance or who they want us to be, then essentially we can be holding ourselves back and blocking our own blessing. And we do not want to block our blessing this morning. So today I call you all on this 1st of September to reevaluate what you need to work on from the inside out because I truly believe our best self flows from the inside out when we can have self-awareness, have a growth mindset, and we are willing to leave pride at the door and make adjustments accordingly so that we can meet our goals. So this is Dr. Janie Lacey.